Well, hello, folks, and welcome back to Radical Humanity. My name is Ben Hoover, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and uh, welcome to my other little uh, little gig that I do here. So, okay, I'm going to jump right into this. I, um, I scrapped this episode. I've been doing that, because... <laughs> Uh, maybe I analyze it too much, but I, I, I scrapped it and I wanted to do, and I, I wanted to do it over. Now I'd already recorded it and had been sitting there for a while, um, in the, in the folder, um, and just awaiting for me to, to post it or not. But I, I thought after last night, I thought I can't not talk about this. And in fact, it even formed new thoughts uh, over this topic. Now, um, the reason why I was going to scrap it is because it's, yeah, it's a, it's a heavy topic. Um, I'm not sure who's going to really want to listen to this, but, and yet at the same time, this, this human experience is so, um, saying common doesn't even do it justice. It's innate in us. It is, um, wired in us. We carry this. And so how could I not talk about this? How could I not share my personal stories and experiences and, and, and just what it's like to feel this, this degree of pain? Now, without shrouding this in any more mystery, I want to talk about grief. Now, um, I, I titled this, and I like the title, it's called grief, what horror movies are made from. Um, there's this, there's this movie I really love. Now, I'm, this is a part of my weirdness. I like, I like heavy movies. I like some dark movies, not like dark, dark, like torture stuff, but like, I like a thriller. I like where there's some haunting. I like where there's kind of a, a, um, a suspense, um, spiritual kind of, sort of element to it. I, I, I just, I like that. Cultic movies, those are fascinating to me. But there's this one movie, it's an Australian movie. And it was made, gosh, I don't know, it was at least over five years ago. Um, at least. And it's called The Babadook. Now, I will, I'll tease my friends, because I'm, I'm really an anomaly in a lot of my social circle. Like, my friends it, do not want to watch movies like this. Um, and I will I will tease them because I'll say I'll recommend I'll say, uh, you know what we should watch? Like I think oh I do this to my mom at times. I'm like you know what? Why don't we watch the Babadook? And um, and I'll I'll tease her because she doesn't ever want to watch any of that kind of stuff. So whenever I'm kind of around her, like I'll 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 joke I'll tease her about that. So anyway, um, so this movie, I I love it and it's this fascinating. Um, if you're going to watch it, uh, this is a spoiler. So, um, but it's this, uh, incredible, brilliant depiction on grief. And, and it's, uh, and it, but it's done in this way that there's this force that kind of comes out of this really morose, dark children's storybook. Um, about about this figure coming after you, 
and and of course in the end it's it the it's tied up with this message and this this clarity that there's there's this grief this loss this this incredible loss that this family has gone through this tragedy where they've lost husband for the child the dad and um and it was so it was just so beautifully done and it was so horrifying and and it got me thinking you know movies are the projection of our own experiences right like like even fantasy that's so uh, intrinsic to the human experience is to live in fantasy, to cover over the realities, the pains, the agonies, the hurts of life, the disappointments at times. We get lost in these fantastical worlds. So, so for me, I see horror as just an expression of that. It's an expression at times of hate and anger and rage, but it's also an expression of this pain. And I would say even anger. It's, it's this anger that we avoid. Um, so it's not these external forces, it's, it's this, these internal entities, um, that live in us and that we, uh, we're terrified of, we run from, and, and it becomes the very thing that haunts us in our dreams or when we're awake or in interactions with people or when you don't know why you've now developed some weird phobia towards something, it's usually because it's, it's, um, it's been, uh, misdirected it's now channeled onto something so you you don't tap into that uh access that what you're really grieving what you're really angry at what you're really terrified of um so it's there's a different term than misdirected but anyway it gets misplaced and um and it's it's reoriented towards something else um so that's why for me grief is this, I first titled it The Monster Inside Us, but I'm, I'm not going with that. Um, uh, I like this title a little bit better. Is that it's, it's, it's really, it's what, it's what a lot of, I believe, horror pictures are um, created out of, is this haunting in us, that there's this ominous force that's, that's, that's around the corner, that's waking us up, that's under the bed, that's in the closet, that's, that's whatever. It's, it's, coming it's if you think it's it, usually horror movies are done in darkness like that's that's this feeling like it's we try to put it out of our conscious um uh, in and lives in the unconscious in the shadows of ourselves and we don't see it and yet it starts happening in unconscious ways like starting to come up and that's what i believe dreams are is the when we have a dream it's the unconscious part of ourselves messaging to the conscious letting us know hey you're ready to look at this it's inviting us to, to um, experience and explore that and express it. So, um, so grief, it hits so personally to me on my own life experiences recently uh, also, but also in the people around me. And I just, after last night when I met up when uh, these dear friends of mine, we went out to dinner and then went to hear someone talk. I thought, in listening to her story and her pain, I thought, I've got to talk about this again. I've, I've got to touch on this. Um, because what I believe, the majority of us carry grief in some shape or form in us. And in fact, I also believe that, that this grief has started very young in our hearts. 
in ourselves that we've internalized this. We live with this when we don't realize it. Sometimes we're so angry or we're so filled with hate or rage and we do sometimes violent things in the world and I believe it comes from places of grief, um, places where we didn't experience connection, where there was abuse or hurt or um, whatever happened in our relationships, there were these injuries or neglect or... And, and so we we live these these pains inhabit us and we don't realize that we carry grief. So that's why I think that it, it starts so young um, and that when it, it takes a bold journey to go into those pains and feel it and face it and express what wasn't expressed at such a young age because no one gave us the invitation, um, the, the acknowledgement, the permission, and, and even the understanding that, that that's in us and the repair of that. So sometimes, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later, that becomes so entrenched in us and we hit these moments that rattle us and we realize we can't hold this in or run away from it anymore. So, so grief starts often in our childhoods, um, but we all carry it in some shape or form and loss happens in, in, in a variety of ways. And sometimes it's even in beautiful moments, like a wedding happens or a birth happens, or a child moves off to college, or, or they graduate from kindergarten to first grade, and we're, we're touched by the change. We're touched by the, the new development in life, the, the, new, the, the new transition. But there's also grief in that. We feel a sadness. I remember when my sister got married, and it was at the wedding rehearsal, and I had uh, the, the, that, the day of, I thought, I want to share something. And so I'd, in that moment... Um, or earlier that day in that moment, I, I'd wrote a poem. And then I wrote a little message. And I stood up and I read that. And I read the poem and I read the message. And I said, this is a time of celebration. But what we also don't talk about is that there's also some grief here. That there's a sadness. That there's a change. That my sister is now making her own family. And not a part of the four-person family that we all grew up in. And that, and that there will be some shifts. And is it beautiful? Absolutely. But I can't also deny that there's a pain there as well when someone moves on. So there's there's a beautiful side to grief in that sense where it has to do with the 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 wonderful transitions in life as well. But then there's this grief that comes with a different kind of loss, one that is filled with excruciating pain, a loss. And I'm listening to my friend last night, and I, I don't get to see her. I, I see her husband because we're really close. Um, and so every once in a while I get to see her and, together. And, um, and I love, I just, I love her rawness. It's just, I'm filled with emotion when I talk about because it it's, I, she just is so beautifully expressive. She doesn't hold back. And it's so refreshing. It puts breath in my lungs in a way. It, it helps me breathe deeply and, and, um, and fully. And she's talking about this experience where she just lost her mom this year. And I won't go into the details and stuff, but, um, but it's, it's, it's a death that's not just like a typical death where someone dies because they're ill. It, there's, there's more involved in this. There's there's tragedy and trauma, and it, it's stirring up past and the unfinished work between her and her mom. And she's, and she's sharing with both anger and tears this pain of what it's like, and and what it's like to be around people who can't join her in that. Um, that that, 
and maybe they don't understand, but maybe sometimes they just, they don't even, there's something blocked in them where they can't even enter into that with her. And, um, and so, um, and, and, and people want to polish it up or, or help her and give kind of religious platitudes and little pithy statements. And, and it just, it, it pushes her farther into the, the lonely corners of that. Um, and she's, and, and so she's opening up so profoundly and I'm just immersed in it, like listening to the pain. And of course it touches on my own grief that I'm going through, um, a different kind of loss, but, uh, but, but grief nonetheless. And, um, and I'm just, I'm just so pulled in and appreciative. And I even said that, um, on the car ride home where I said, like, I, I just love how much you let us into that. Like, I, I hate the pain you're going through, but I, I love, it was sacred for me to hear your expression of that, to not hold back and in, in an unfiltered way, and that you would just let us experience that with you and, and feel that with you and how precious that is, especially in a surrounding community and world that um, has a lot of blocks to going there. They just can't. It, because they don't know how to access that even in themselves. And it's not a right or wrong thing. It just, it adds to the pain and to the loneliness. And so, um, so I just was so filled with um, fullness, um, just that she could be so genuine and honest. And, and so that inspired me of, okay, I got to do this. I got to talk about this. And, um, and so she's really the inspiration for me revisiting this. And so, and so, yeah, so, um, and I remember actually, um, actually her husband even saying this at one time that she had said, like, you don't realize that I carry this grief all the time. Um, and we talked about how there's these moments where it just stabs you. It's just, it's just, it's always there, but sometimes it shows up. In, in a more intense form. It, it kind of gets in your face and it washes over you. And sometimes when people go on in their lives, they forget about that. Like sometimes when people will, there'd be this rush and it's beautiful in the moment where like, it's like this triage kind of sort of um, reflex in us where when someone expresses this this tragic loss and people will rush, they'll, they'll bring meals, they'll, they'll stay, they'll bring flowers, they'll sit, they'll send cards. Um, and there'll be all this really activity that's heavy loaded in the beginning, and then it and then it starts to wane. It fades as the months go on, as the years go on, and and we're and yet we're there. It hasn't left us. It, it's always there. Maybe not as intense, but um, and then and then we don't know. Do we talk about it? Do we share it? Like. All of a sudden, people start looking down, and they feel this heaviness, and they don't want to go there, and 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 they they get all uncomfortable, and and then we just we find ourselves backing up, retreating, holding it back in, and 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 or or people might maybe uh, maybe you're on the other end where you have someone in your life who's grieving, and do you touch on that? Do you share that? Like, you know, there's such a fear of. I don't want to cause more pain. Well, it's like, well, <laughs> unfortunately, there's already pain there. The person's already living in it. In fact, they're just lonely. And in, I know for me, when someone has asked, 
Um, it gives me permission to express that side to myself. I get to talk about that. I get to feel that. Um, and, and, and how comforting it is to have someone who wants to listen and wants to know that side to me and is, is willing to go there and that that matters and, and I matter. And, and so, um, and so, yeah, we might tiptoe around this. The person who is in the throes of grief doesn't know, do I share this or not? And then the person who, um, who, who is the, the bystander, the witness, the one outside of it doesn't know, do I ask, do I, and there's this tiptoeing around it. I remember actually, this just popped in my head. I remember, um, um, it was, was it last year? Yeah, last year. Um, a cousin of mine had gotten married. Well, two cousins of mine got married, but <clears throat> the first one got married before the other one. And this was back in August. <clears throat> we went up to Reno to visit them. And, and they, they lost, she lost her grandfather and it was her mom's father. <clears throat> and I remember my sister, I wasn't there actually, it was retold. And I, and I just, I love my sister because she goes there. Like, she's just, God, my love grows for my sister. She's just such an amazing person. And she also pisses the fuck out of me sometimes. But anyway, um, she, she asked this question. And she, she asked, how are you doing with the loss? And of course it opened it up to where they, they could share their tears. And I thought, God, my sister is so beautiful, like that she is so bold to invite that conversation where, where our instinct, because in a societal way, in a cultural way, in a familial way, we don't talk about that. We don't touch that stuff. In fact, I'm working with a client who's been, been with me for four years, for over four years, and she lost her mom that she was so deeply attached to when she was, got eight. And then like, she had all these questions and and then her family would just shut her, shut her down. And so she has, she has these burning questions in her and this pain that she shut off in herself because her family didn't, didn't open up or didn't allow her, didn't give her, shamed her and judged her because they couldn't deal with their own, they, they, they could not touch their own pain with that. It was too much. So they, they um, unfortunately, you know, uh, pushed that onto her. And, um, and so my sister invites this really beautiful conversation where they can talk about what it's like. And I just, I get emotional talking about it now. This is, I'm just going to be emotional in this podcast. Um, ah, it, it just, it's that wonderful side to her that like, yes, we need people to talk about this, to let grief breathe in us and to let pain have breath to inhale and exhale in us. Um, and and I, I don't, I get stuck in that myself. I struggle with that. I have a hard time sometimes going there, and which is what I'm going to get into. Oh, and in fact, I can't even forget, I can't forget this. I wrote a poem that I have to read. So, um, so anyway, so, um, so I love that. I love that my sister did that. And well, this is why I'm doing this podcast. Is it heavy? Yeah, you better damn believe it. But how many of us are suffering, holding this inside, um, trying to um, conjure up methods to 
eradicate this instead of giving this presence, giving this center stage. Um, and so, so I want to talk about my experience with grief. I, I went through a breakup. I went through three rounds of it, as I think I shared another podcast. <laughs> I went through three rounds. Um, and this last round was final. And, um, but, but on both ends, like there was actually all three times it had grief. And now, uh, even more so there's this grief. Um, and I tell you what, it, it is an awful experience. It is so excruciating. It's not pleasant at all. It makes you want to do crazy things. Like it just, there are moments where I just, um, it, it actually, it, it amplifies loneliness all the more. Cause when you go through a, a loss of like, whether it's a death or, or falling in love with someone, um, it just, it, it, it fingers that lonely wound in us and it, it amplifies it all more. And then, and then for me, it's like, I just, I wanted to get rid of it. And so pain has this way sometimes this, this pain of grief has this way of like, all of a sudden you're looking for the escape route. You want to get out. You're looking for anything to grab onto to just get out of it. And there are moments where it's like, I just, I want to die. I don't want to live in this. I don't want to be in this place. I want to crawl out of my skin. I want to be in someone else's body and their soul just out of this pain. I had moments where I would just frantic moments, desperate moments where I just think, okay, what can I do? Where do I go? Where do I, maybe I'll go travel. Maybe I'll go to another country. Maybe I'll, and I realized also in that moment, yeah, well, I can go to another country, but that pain will just travel with me. It won't ever leave. It won't go away. And, and I even thought at one point, I'll go back to Ireland where we had experiences together and, and I'll just, I'll just grieve that. And it's like, okay, yeah. The therapist told me, well, I'd rather you do the crying first before, <laughs> before you go there. And he's right. Um, I'm sure when I go, there'll be some pain that comes up, but it won't be the, the reason why I go. Um, and so so it's it's wild it's untamed in ourselves it's it's just like it feels almost like you're in this padded locked room and you're trying to get out and you're screaming for help and um it's just this unbridled restlessness and that's not even does it it's just soul ripping and shredding and um and you fall there's moments where you fall into depression and despair and it's just it's so heavy and it's just sad, and, and you can't get out of it, and life just has lost color and meaning, and then there's these moments where you're so enraged at the person, at the loss, over it, and there's these moments where you have these, these, these um, imminent sort of, um, sort of uh, washes over you where you think, oh, I gotta go back, I'm gonna go back to the person, I'm gonna, okay, I gotta go back, and it's so convincing, um, I mean, that's the, that's the best way I can put it, is it's so convincing at times. Um, now, for me, growing up, um, I wasn't, I had plenty, I had some good family experience, but I had a lot of family experiences that um, created judgment and shame in me and, and pushed parts of myself away. So anger was one of them, and then pain and hurt and all of that. Uh, but anger was the big one, and then which was the precursor to all the pain underneath. And um, and growing up, I in various ways I 
it was it was expressed from particularly my mom, but parents in general, like I couldn't feel it. I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to go there. I was shamed for feeling angered. So, so I ended up carrying that inside and then living in this helpless state. And my way of dealing with my anger was I'd turn it inward on myself, but I'd also be in my head just, um, scavenging, like, like I, I called it, like I go in the attic and I start, um, like violently rummaging for things to try to find what feels lost when all that is, was just, um, a defense, a, a like this reflex to get out of the pain, out of the anger. And so I notice in moments in my grief, that's what I do, is I'll be in my head just ruminating on past events over and over and over again, trying to dig for some answer. And um, and, and, and that's it's been so like so ingrained in me that to change that takes a lot of effort of realizing, oh my God, in my head, Oh my God, I'm in my head. Oh my, it's like like a thousand times sometimes in one sitting. It's like there. Oh no, I went in my head again. Ah, uh, just be in my body. Um, and in fact, I actually did a podcast on um, on that. So uh, that'll be up and running eventually. Maybe even before this. I don't know. So uh, where am I? Um, so so yeah. So there was this. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so so grief does these wild things to us, and and this is why a lot of times people um, uh, fall into quote unquote addictions where they're they're so locked in and attached to substances or or, or, or whatever it might be um, is actually underneath is so much anger, and underneath and rage, and and then underneath that is the pain of having these experiences of feeling lonely and disconnected. Um, and so, so really it's, it's, that's where I go with people is, is into the griefs that live in them, that haunt them. Um, and that's where I learned to go in myself and it's been, and it's not pleasant. It really isn't. It's very, very difficult. So anyway, so, um, so yeah, so, so we want to use, like there were moments where I thought, I would love to just use drugs right now. I would love to just forget about this. Just get drunk. And I don't. I don't really, I don't do any of that stuff really. I've never even done drugs. But like, but it, I get it. I get why people want to do it. I get why people do it. Because it's so, it, it just, you just, you want to anesthetize the pain. Um, it's, it's, how can you live in it? And it, what's, what I've learned is the more I fight it, the more intense and the more I drown um, and so I want to talk about how to actually, how to actually embrace grief, which it's not like a, no formula to it. Um, so, um, in fact, this is what it is. I mean, that's what I'm describing is, is it's encapsulating all these experiences. I'm even trying to think there's moments where I've experienced anxiety and that usually is a sign that I've got some, I've got some, I've got some, uh, uh, blast of pain coming up in me. It's like, Oh, Okay, this unsettled, anxious, uh, suffocated-like breathing usually is indicating that I'm, uh, I've, got some, I've got some deep hurt coming up over me. And, um, and so, uh, um, what else is there? What, uh, I, think that, I think that covers a lot of ground. So, um, but it's such, a, it's such an emotional, experiential, guttural experience. It can't be... We, we, we think that'll just go, 
But again, it will always stay with us. I had moments where I uh, lost, we lost a dear family friend. My mom's a really good friend. Um, you know, uh, God, probably six years now. And occasionally that will come over me. Like I see something that reminds me of her and I'll just weep. I'll weep. It, it just, it, it doesn't ever leave. And that's what I told my one client. Uh, this client that was stuck judging her grief is it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. But it cha- But when we open ourselves up to grief, it changes the way we interact with it and it changes the impact of it. Um, it doesn't have this torment or haunt to it. So, um, so and that, that actually is a segue into this one experience. So, with this ex-girlfriend. I remember the, it was the second, it was the second, God, it was this, uh, clearly I was working out stuff, but there was this, I think it was the second round. Well, I don't know, first or second round. Anyway, I had this moment, because she was here in the States, and, um, and I remember we went out to eat dinner, and I was holding her hand, but she wasn't holding my hand back. Like, she had it there, but it was more of a passive, like, just letting me. It wasn't grabbing my hand and wanting to hold it and be affectionate in return. And um, and that memory, for whatever reason, came up after, after, we, after we broke up. And, and my mind just went wild. I started, I started digging for, I started doing this, you know, the, the like, meth-like, uh, like amphetamine-driven investigatory uh, uh, attack on this memory of, oh, what did that mean? What did that mean? And it was this, it was clear as day. <clears throat> I, I stopped. I just, I stopped, I stopped ruminating on it. I stopped excavating it. And I, I sat there. And I said, this is just pain. Because I was trying to find the meaning in it. And I realized this is this is just pain. It's just pain. And I wept. I all of a sudden, what was really underneath all the frantic searching was was the the guttural expression of pain. I wept and I wept and I wept. Because also the pain was telling me it was how awful it was to have not had that return affection. <clears throat> and how much I wanted that. And <clears throat> I kid you not, this bizarre experience happened even after I embraced the pain. It was this strange gratefulness came over me. Um, and I could appreciate the pain in a different way. Where people want to push away their pain and just um, try to fabricate, manufacture thankfulness in their life. Um, I don't think thankfulness and gratefulness come from that method. It comes out of when we embrace the 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 realms within us, whether it's the pains or the excitements and the satisfactions of life, that this gratefulness washed over me. And I'm like, yes, this expresses a deep need and desire and want in me to have affection returned. and And also just... It also was an expression of just this loss of having fallen in love. That I want, um, I want 
love and to be loved and to give love and to fall in love and have someone fall in love with me and really want me. And, um, and so, uh, that's, um, so I, that was this incredible moment that I retell to people and I, and I, and I, I really love talking about because really that's what pain, that, that's, that's how we embrace grief is that we can talk about it, we can share it, we can express it, the anger, the rage, the heartache, the tears, the weeping, the agony, the depression, the, the moments where we just don't want to get out of bed and we just let ourselves lay there. And sometimes we don't want to even eat, which is true. Sometimes we we lose weight because we don't eat anything. Like, not the best weight loss program, but that's, I mean, that's what happens. We stop our bodies don't want to absorb anything and ingest anything. It just, because it's, it's just, we're so laden with that pain. Um, there was a moment, actually, I didn't even talk about this in, a, in this past podcast I did, where my dad, as I've shared, was diagnosed, is diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. And it's really like rare and aggressive. And he has two types, T-cell and B-cell, meaning on the skin and under the skin. And these symptoms started coming up last year, last September. And, um, and it was just, it's just been an awful experience of trial and error. And, um, and it just, the head scratching and what's going on. And my dad flying out to the East Coast to get treatments and, or, or assessments. And now is about to go into getting a bone, well, hopefully, get bone marrow transplant if the, the, the tests show up like with his cancer in the clear. The tumors being having been cleared by this last like dousing of chemo. But he's gone through three different kinds of treatments. It's just it's it's been a fucked experience. Now talk about talk about moments that um really uh, uh do a good job of bringing you into this helpless, uh, hopeless state. And then, and then trying to find the, trying to find the life raft or the, 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 the handrails to grab onto to pull yourself out of it. And you, 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 whenever we're in this moment where we feel so powerless, where we just don't know, um, where we're, we're, uh, captive to helplessness, um, it, it's it's an awful experience, and I remember, you know, based off my my past faith tradition, it's like, you know, I think when a lot of us, whether you believe in something or not, like that's that's beyond you or bigger than you, like sometimes when we're in helplessness, we just we deposit like our our panicky, anxious, helpless, laden prayers, you know, uh, petitions out into the universe in hopes that something happens. But, and so that was the case was, you know, I grew up in a community where it was so emphasized that like, you, you know, the divine's going to heal and come in and, and you just got to access it. And it like became, it became like this judgment and, and this responsibility, like, oh, well, I'm doing something wrong because someone's not being healed in my life or I'm not being healed or whatnot. And I believe that there's these phenomenological experiences that happen in life. They just, they do. Whether you want to, you know, whether you, you know where it comes from or not, it just happens. Um, and... And so, um, and so back in the spring about, I'd sometimes find myself, I'd be going on walks like in the late at night and uh, there's this one park close to my house and I was just walking around it and, 
and I, I thought I stopped and I just, I let myself just get angry at one point. Cause I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I just keep thinking I was taught in the past. Like, you know, it's, it's on your shoulders. You, you have to unlock the right combination to, to, you know, for the divine to show up and, and answer your prayers, like some fucking genie in a bottle sort of thing. But, um, and so I believe that I was so, I would judge myself so harshly it's like okay i got to find the right combination of words to to unlock what what it is that i want and um or to to get to get whatever i want answered and um and it was a moment where i don't know if it was that moment or a moment that followed where i realized i don't believe that like what i'm putting out there what i'm expressing i don't i don't believe that it's shit to me i don't it's not genuine for me. I don't, like me calling out and trying to figure out the right things to say for some metaphysical metaphysical encounter to happen. I, I don't know. I don't know. So it was this, it was a, it was a vulnerable moment for me and a scary moment to admit to myself that, that this is bullshit to me. I can't, this is, this is not, this is not authentic for me. I'm not saying for other people, just for me. I, what, I'm, what I'm throwing out there, what I'm, what I'm placing out in the universe to the divine, to God, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it, do, it's not, it doesn't work. And, um, and I, I just I let myself just feel the helplessness and hopelessness, and that's awful. It's awful to just let it be there. Because you convince sometimes that you want to, it's there's there's you gotta find the solution. You gotta you gotta you gotta you know get a community a committee together and 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 um, and band together and let's let's find the answer and the solutions. And it's like, but it still happens. Like I'm not saying it's it's I'm not saying right or wrong or should or shouldn't. But like I mean, think about you know, raising awareness and stuff and, and for all these, you know, and I think it's beautiful. I think there's beautiful treatments being done, but at the same time, like, you know, cancer still exists. These, these, these mysterious, awful, vicious illnesses start, still happen. And, um, and, and I'm not saying not to stop that or not stop the research of it. I, I, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my dad at least is, has some, there's some stuff trying to be done, whether it's effective or not. Um, but, but for me, when I, um, when I entered in this place of my helplessness, of my, my unbelief, that this is not the way it's happened. It just, it's, it was shit. It was shitty. But there was a moment, I don't know if it was like a month, months later where I was, I was driving, um, I was driving from a hike I was on. I went on a little solo hike and I was driving back to home. And it was this weird moment. It just it was it was just it, it just snuck out. I had I had, was not prepared for it. And and maybe maybe I was kind of expressing frustrations about this experience with my dad and what he's going through and how awful it is. And I and I'm not kidding. It it was this odd like swelling or welling, swelling. Welling came over me where this genuine what this 
genuine desire in me um, showed up. And what it was, was I began to think of um, where does the real healing really happen? Even, even if there's the physical, metaphysical healing, like the healing for me, my genuine desire for healing is in the connection, in the relationship with my dad, with my, with, with, with the, the, the whole collective of my family and even friends and whatnot. And that what matters to me, what's most genuine to me, what my prayer became was show me, show me how to connect, show me um, how to connect genuinely in a real, authentic, caring, loving way. That and that was that was the clearest and most solid I had been in those in those universal requests. I um, or the request to the universe. I I um, I was so energized by that, and it was such a profound realization of this is what matters to me because this is where the pain and heartache and happens in life is in the realms of connection. This is where the greatest joys and ecstasies and, and pleasures happen is in the midst of experiencing deep connection in life. And that's not just on a, with humans on a human level, but in all of life with nature. And, um, and so for me, my prayer was one to harmonize me with others, especially my dad. And I tell you what, I mean, we've gotten into some, some like fights. I mean, just when I say violent, I don't mean physical, but just like, I mean, just saying some of the worst stuff that we don't even mean to each other and, and laughing together. And I've opened up to my dad more than I've ever had in my life because um, and ta- I mean, even being honest with him, how much I hated him in the past and, um, and, 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 and letting that get out of me and be shared and seen and, and, and why I hated him. And, and it's, it's shifted to where I want to go to him. I want to talk about my life and then I'll call him out on his shit. And he calls me out on mine when I'm being an asshole. And, um, I, I, man, I'm doing a lot of cussing on this episode. Good. Um, so so warning, don't listen or don't listen to this when you have kids around. So, um, so I, I, yeah, this, it, it, it energized my relationships in such a different way. And that continues to unravel and unfold. And, um, and I thought about, you know, I, I know this might, well, I was going to put, do a preamble, but you know what? The reality is, is, is this has been an important story to me. But there's these stories in the ancient writings, and they're about Jesus, and um, and there and some of these stories highlight these really odd, like miracles he does, these physical healings. And I thought, why, why the hell does that happen, and why is it to like certain people, not everyone? I don't know. I don't even have an answer to that. But what I do know is what those stories highlight is here's this anomaly. This strange human that walks into the, the, the middle of the play of life and that's ravaged by shame and judgment and, and um, uh, unknowable, uh, uncontainable illnesses and ostracized and, and divided and the religious monopolize everything and, 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 and people are just ravaged with just this 
disconnect expressed in different ways. And here is this man that sees the hurting, the lonely, the broken, but also the divine within every single person. That inherent love and value and worth. And, he, and, he, and not only does he go to them, but they go to him. And, um, and they have these waking up experiences where they wake up to life um, in themselves. And, uh, and so I thought, this, this is a man who carries the divine nature in him that we all have. This is the man that carries, that he's connected with all of life. And, he, and it opens his arms wide with love to care for the world. And he, he goes past the judgments, past the labels, past the categories that we're, uh, we're, we find ourselves incapacitated and imprisoned by. And he touches the hearts. And, and he moves in that way. It's not even about the physical healing. It's about, he's energized by the care and love for the inner most parts of the person, the whole person. And, um, and that became my prayer. And that still is my prayer today. And not just with my dad, but with everyone. Um, and so, so for me, um, this, this whole thing, what I'm going with this is that grief is about being em- em- embracing the the deep ache and pain because we are wired for connection and when this rupture happens it 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 causes this devastating fault lines into our soul of what wasn't there of what was lost or what was and what was no more that we've had with the other person or what even was never even there with the person and um and so um and so grief is the invitation to experience that guttural pain. And so I have to talk about this because it's something so untalked about at times and avoided. And it and by the way, there's no stages to grief. It's all just it's all just enmeshed. It's all entangled in each other. There's bargaining where you're like, oh man, if I could have only done this differently or that differently, or you know, or, and there's and then there's anger and rage, and then there's you know, there's never really going to be acceptance. That's what I was told, and I I realized that like it's not something where you arrive like oh it's all done, it's indifferent. No, no, it's just there. You're indifferent to the pain in the sense that you, I loved how it was said to me one time, my therapist said that, you just become indifferent to the pain, it just, it just is. You don't have to find answers or solutions to it, it just is there. And when I've opened myself up to grief, I find a peace even in the midst of that. And I stop fighting against it, that only swallows me up all the more. Um, and I'm just welcome it. I can get through it. I can live in it. I can be in it. It's not as big as we make it out to be. It's not the boogeyman. It's not the monster. It's not the Babadook. It's not the, it's, it's not the crazy knife, uh, yielding, wielding, wielding, knife wielding, uh, um, psycho running around in the, the corridors of your house trying to get you. It's, it's just, it's a part. It's a part of us. And, um, and so on that note, actually, I'm getting up. So you're going to hear some noise. I want to read my poem that I, I wrote that I am very proud of. Um, it's a, the, there's a working title. It's, in, it's, it's not 
It's not completely there. But it's called an illuminating pain. So, for now. It might be uh, formally known as an illuminating pain. <sighs> You're still there, but now an ache. No warmth in memory. A stab of pain brings an unwelcome heat, radiates and confiscates. A burning, lingering ember of loss. How great you remain in me. I want you gone, all memories erased. No sign of you, not a trace. Your laugh and voice recalled, as if the day it was experienced, but now a faded far away a moment. Darkened film around the edges. Insufferable conjured up alternate realities. Act to buffer the pain of all the time apart. Such a little time we actually shared. Nights of torment, days of anxiety, a year's rotation. To be the first that broke the law in me, an opening into the erotic. Fear and pleasure, I lost myself in you, and then you left. This pain that stayed, an overpowering ache, a jarring, brutal goodbye. Memories forced to relive, moments obsessively retraced. To feel as though we were there again, sharing the same space. Kissing, crying, laughing, holding, touching, seeing. Waters of evil gave birth to violent storms. Who were you? Where were you? So much energy spent trying to unravel your mysteries. Hours upon hours, futile investigations, looking for clues in hopes of confirmation. Evidence I was loved. All the while, I forgot myself. You kept coming back, no strength in me to say no, to feel alone, the haunting specter living in the shadows within, and to face the unbearable truth that all this was, a fleeting fling, a transient moment, two souls hurriedly colliding, love with a quick half-life. The fantasies that made reality vanish, and multiple returns, hopes resurgence, sentimental lines intoxicating the soul, an overwhelming seductive draw, provoked amnesia, blacking out truth. Moments and days dominated by confusion, hurt, anxiety, panic, helplessness. The words I love you, so muscular a current to pull me back in. We shared a foreign land together, one year traveled in one week, every minute together, uninhibited, uninterrupted, the most intense experiences, yet the water's chasm remained. Fumigating love's excitement and yearning, trust corroding, despair's uprising, plans to rekindle robbed of growing dis-ease, until so loud and looming it could not be ignored, the final ending to a brutal war, a settling of the mind and a full breath to approve, yet the pain kept and you remain as an ache. You are there in the tears that fall, and the rage that feels the loss. Fantasies dissolve into loneliness, wondering if I'm still there in you. When will you be replaced? When will I? How strange and intense connection now strangers left with painful imaginings of the other's life. You will not leave, no matter the push to forget. To force the pain to disappear only brings chaos, but a welcome embrace invites an odd gratefulness. You are here for self-discovery, an uncovering of the true self, a venture into history's wounds to become genuine at the risk of loss, to touch the erotic inside myself. Explore the unexplored, and pain is where wisdom lies, illuminating desires within, to teach the love I truly want, that is what you did for me. A metaphysical encounter, shrouded in mystery for so long. Demystified now in the presence of pain, an inconspicuous guide on my path that led me closer to myself, and now I know, in awful way, revelations of the longings in me. But all the more grateful for now I can see this ache remains a messenger, to close it off only unrelenting fears, instigating the avoid to risk love again. Although I would love nothing more than to quiet the pain, it stands a mark for the leap taken, opening myself to love, and that is what I want again to experience another, to share and hold and laugh and make love. This is what you taught, you who live as an ache in me. Yes, you are still there, in pain and misery, but also a compass, a guide, illuminating, always. And that, folks, I will end on.
Till next time.